Welcome to Untamed Intimacy, the show that helps you get to the core of what creates safety, love, connection, passion, and pleasure in your relationship. You'll learn how to resolve conflict, communicate authentically, and rekindle passion. So you can create untamed intimacy in your relationship. I'm Ani Manian. And I'm Lee Noto. We're the founders of Untamed Intimacy. And together, we serve couples all around the world to help them create the wildest love they have ever known. We believe that our relationships are the most powerful vehicles for growth, and our partners are our greatest teachers. If you're ready to create untamed intimacy in your relationship, then this is the podcast for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that, and you'll be notified as soon as we drop a juicy episode. And if you really love and receive value from this podcast, we'd like to ask two things. Please leave a five-star review and consider connecting with us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. And take a screenshot of your favorite episodes and share them in your stories so others can find this content too. And if you'd like to be coached live on air or have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, visit us at untamedintimacylive.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Untamed Intimacy. And we're honored here today uh, because we get to spend time and space with none other than human design expert, Barbara Ditlow. And, you know, I can say so many things about all the ways in which she serves the world, but the context through which we met her was through the modality of human design. So I want to share a little about Barbara. Um, she is a constant student and she's trained in human design, yoga, the fine arts, astrology, and has a ton of diverse life experiences. These modalities enable her to skillfully coach her clients through the process of maximizing their life's potential. She's a gifted listener, adept at asking transformative questions in order for her clients to be able to experience success in their finances, relationships, and career. She also enjoys listening to others' opposing viewpoints, and now is a great time in the world to be open (laughs) to that. (laughs) So welcome so much, Barbara. It's great to have you here. Uh, Thank you for the invitation. It's, It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to our sharing. Awesome. So I, I shared just a moment ago that we found you through our community here in Austin um, in through a modality called human design. And some listeners may be familiar with that, but many probably aren't. So what is human design? Human design differs from much of the new age information in that it was a revelation. It wasn't channeled. It wasn't um, intellectually arrived at through studying deeply. It was not something handed down over the eons as uh, some of the esoteric knowledges, but it was a revelation that actually synthesized ancient um, scientific, you could say, studies, as well as contemporary physics. So it's a synthesis of the Hindu Brahman chakra system. So it brings in the chakras. So anyone who does yoga understands that there are seven chakras in the Hindu Brahman chakra system. In human design, the revelation changed that and introduced two new chakras. So it has the Hindu Brahman chakra system with that variation. It's also synthesized into that the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. And the 64 hexagrams relate to the 64 codons. That's where the chemistry comes. Then it brings in the Kabbalah or the tree of life. And they call it the tree of life because it creates the strengths or weaknesses that a person is born with and works through in their experience of life. And then it also has astrology. So the uh, you could say the uh, inherited mystical knowledge, the esoteric information is one aspect of it. But another aspect is a scientific quantum physics aspect where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And when the sum of the parts come together, there is a mysterious quantum it's very difficult to explain or articulate it, and more or less it's experienced. You can see the potential for that quantum in the chart. 
So when you when I'm reading a human design chart, plus I'm trained in feng shui, which deals more with the I Ching and trained in astrology, which deals with planetary movements. When I look at the human design chart, the reason it's so powerful is because it's a holistic uh, science that creates a much greater expansive awareness of who the individual is. So I'll give you an example. Let's say someone would say, I have to have my chakras cleared and someone can do tuning on the chakras. That's one aspect of life and that can be very positive. But there are other frequencies that are moving on. Perhaps right now we have Uranus making a transit through the financial sign of the zodiac, which is Taurus. So that's creating a lot of upheaval and uncertainty in money. And we also had in January the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. So astrologers would say, whoa, that's going to be very intense. But I know that people born in 47, 82, and then every 35 years will have that conjunction in their chart and just represents a certain intensity of breaking down structures. It's not going to be the same way in their human design chart. So the human design sort of puts it all together, and then there's more of a holographic image of the person rather than just a, a flat blueprint. So it's a synthetic body of knowledge received through a revelation over an eight-day period. In 1987, in January, when the supernova Sanduliak exploded, and it created a, you could call it a pulse, where the neutrino feed to the Earth was three times the usual amount. Now, it's interesting because in 1987, in August 12th and 13th, that was the harmonic convergence, and that's where all the planets aligned. And that was considered a big celebration. There were celebrations all over the world uh, celebrating the new consciousness that was going to you know, come in through the converging of all these planetary, uh, what I would call planetary placements. So that's uh, a fairly brief represent representation of what human design is. <laughs> I hope those listening were taking notes on all of this. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I, I myself didn't even realize the wealth of wisdom that human design pulled from. I knew that it was related to the I Ching and um, to other systems, but that's beautiful context. Now, I know a lot of people are pretty aware of human design in terms of their individual charts. Someone may know that they're a projector or a manifesting generator, um, but how is human design used in the relational sense? So when, we, when Ani and I came to you, we got a couple's reading and I'd never heard of anyone doing that before you. Mm -hmm. So what, what does that look like? How can human design be used to deepen intimacy in a relationship? Great question. Um, I would say it's profoundly uh, mutative. It actually has the potential for a relationship to grow and change. And the challenge in any relationship is when it hits a static point because there are cycles within everybody's life. And so there's cycles where there's expansion and there's cycles where there's contraction. So human design can point out what cycle, first of all, a person's in. What are the major learning uh, demands made on that person? And are they in sync with their partner? That's a big picture. If we get down to the tiny, tiny, the, the micro picture, it gives the individual the opportunity first to know how they're designed. In other words, how they're designed to be the expression of the consciousness that emanates through all forms. Now, the consciousness that emanates through all forms, you could call God, you could call Brahma, you could call it the higher power that 12-step programs do. Uh, it's best to use a word that doesn't energize past patterns or reactive energies to say, I don't believe in this. Human design is not something that you have to believe in. And in fact, you can't believe in it. You have to experience it. You have to actually live it to watch the magic of the process change your life. And it's usually a seven-year period, and then another seven, another seven, just because there's a seven-year cycle of the body being in transformation. So the first step in creating intimacy with anyone is knowing who you are and demanding respect for who you are. So you avoid the relationships where intimacy becomes a power struggle of the victim and the victimizer, or the, uh, the brutalizer and that person who's brutalized. And the reason being is for some people, violence is intimacy, uh, because they're raised with that. And particularly when a child 
is very young, they are developing their conception of what the bonds are for intimacy going forward in life. So if they have a mother that's abusive or they're in uh, child protection services and experience abuse that way, all of a sudden their conditioning creates a frequency in their body that then emanates out there as an attractor pattern to bring in this. And they feel they're having intimate relationships. And so I'm going to define the intimacy as a quality of love and respect for one's unique difference. So human design stresses two patterns. There's a pattern to be homogenized, drawn into the collective, which is essential up until seven years old. The reason being is we can't survive without being part of a tribe until we're seven because the corpus callosum hasn't uh, connected the left and right hemisphere of the brain. So there's no ability to really reason and take care of yourself. And there were studies after World War II of feral children, and they found an interesting pattern that children seven years or older who lost both parents and were you know, on their own survived. But any child younger than that was too vulnerable to the elements, whether they were weather conditions, uh, violent, uh, you know, aggressors, whatever. So up until seven, there's a big conditioning. So when we look at the human design chart, there are areas that are white. In other words, we look at them as white. We call them open or undefined. Open mean, means that they're a lot more open than an undefined center. I'll just leave it that way. So we know that's where conditioning is. That's where their experience of who they think they are begins to grow and develop. Um, I wanted to segue here and just bring up another study that is critical. In the orphans in Romania, when the uh, president there decided he needed a greater workforce, he rewarded people for having children. Some families were having eight, nine, ten children during this time, and they realized the support that was given was not enough. They gave their children up to orphanages. What they found, um, the neuroscientists found, that in the orphanages, they were just wrapped in blankets, put in beds, never touched. And through studies, up until three years, if a child is loved, touched, respected, nurtured, and cared for, there are remote areas of the brain where the neural pathways can be developed. We're just learning, scientists, brain specialists are just learning about these remote pathways. But there's a quality to a child being deeply loved when they're young that their brain development is not, uh, let's say, atrophied or challenged. So when I look at a chart, I can immediately look. Projectors, for the most part, have the greatest problems. That's one of the types. Because projectors are those that are most easily conditioned. They have an aura that the deal is this. Let's say you're playing a game of cards and we shuffle the cards, and I give cards to the manifester, and I give them to generator, projector, and reflector. The reflector's sitting there and just evaluating, is it a fun game? How are people feeling? They're not really participating. They're just commenting on the, on the dance of the card game. The manifester is going in there to find the rules, and is always the one that initiates the cycle of the cards. The generator is busy. They're staying in for the for the excitement, for the movement, and they're just going in round, more enthusiastic, whereas the projector is taking all of this in. And the projector is taking all of this in in a confused way because there's more than one person. And when a projector isn't one-on-one -on -one with a person and really allowing that aura to go in and really understand the other person, they move in a state of confusion and vulnerability. And then they become almost pawns of the energies that they're carrying and their conditioning. So the deal with the projector is they have to be wait they have to wait to be invited in order to reduce the conditioning effect. Otherwise they'll initiate and then they can find themselves in situations which can be very painful because projectors more than any other time of any other type are designed to be guides for all the other types. And so there's a school of hard knocks that projectors have and ultimately they get to the point where they say, who am I? Now, the reason it's so important, we go back to uh, you know the intimacy and relationships, projectors can be the busybodies. <laughs> they can be the ones that get into everybody's business and they can jump in and give information that's essential to a person, but they may not be ready for it. 
So for a projector, their relationships can be the most challenging often because they're always wanting to change the other person. Coupled, if you're a woman projector, women naturally want to change the man. So what happens, the intimacy is lost because I think you'd be better if you did this. Now, it really bothers me. If you just did this, this would be better. Or they'll get with their girlfriends and they'll say, if he were just this way, everything would be perfect. So what a projector has to realize is part of their deconditioning process is to understand that they don't have to initiate anything. So in becoming intimate with themselves, they can take a deep sigh of relief and say, oh, okay, I get to know myself through getting to know the other person. But the other person has to recognize me and invite me in as the friend I can't initiate. So that becomes an intimate relationship with yourself as a projector and says, okay, I'm okay. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to trust that that life force that moves through me is intelligent and it's creating an aura around me that's magical. In other words, a projector has a bioenergetic field that's coded. It's almost like like science fiction, it's coded with a certain frequency that is an attractor pattern that will only draw those people that can see the projector. So let's say a projector decides, I like that person. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to follow. I'm going to pursue. It'll be interesting, but it's not going to necessarily bring the correct relationship long-term. Oh, that's so funny that you say that because uh, as a rather feisty projector myself. You? Feisty? No. No. (laughs) I'm five feet, Barbara. I don't, you haven't met me in person yet, but um, I would go out all the time and I could spot someone at a bar somewhere, a, a guy that I wanted to pursue. And I'd be like, all right, that's the one. And I would go and initiate. Now, this is long before I had any idea about what my human design type was. Yeah. And it was always interesting. You're right. Always an adventure. None of it ever panned out. Yes. Yes. And because the intimacy is first understanding how your frequency works. And then what happens is you recognize people, but then you have to wait to see if they recognize you. Mm. The reason for that is that your aura is also your protector. Because if someone doesn't recognize you, then they'll be unhealthy for you. And then they begin to condition these open centers. And then you begin to think something that you're not. And then you begin to get exhausted because your energy isn't designed to maintain a relationship that isn't correct for you. Now, if you're in consulting, if you're a therapist, oftentimes people who are on that trajectory, because we're all in cycles, many times projectors can have the most dramatic and devastating lives because once they find who they are through human design, it's almost as though a light switch is turned on because their open centers become an experiential base from which they now have empathy and understanding of the pattern of other people. So the white centers don't have to be fixed. They're not a problem, but they're wisdom centers. They're not, they give you an experiential base to be effective at what you do, but they're not necessarily what you do or who you are because the imprint that is what we call defined or bringing your pattern is the path to intimacy with yourself first. Mm. The path to intimacy is through your decision-making process. And what are you becoming intimate with? You're becoming intimate with the conscious, with the unique expression of who you are in the consciousness field. So many people are looking for God or looking for purpose. Their purpose is already wired into them. And the purpose is already wired in almost as though you plant a seed. And you can plant um, a lantana in Texas, and it can be 100 degrees for the next 40 days. It's going to bloom. It's going to flower. But if you put an orchid in a Texas summer outside, forget it. People are that way. There are people that are very introverted and fragile. They're literally fragile in terms of social interaction fragile in terms of being able to be a fighter but then they're designed oftentimes projectors in their patterning they'll have a design where they pull in a fighter and a protector for them so they have the safety to grow and expand and the full flowering of their life is achieved so intimacy oftentimes 
can be achieved, but only when you're living this unique expression of yourself and you protect it. Now, oftentimes people will say, yeah, I know who I am. I'm going to go out there because your parents told you, your school told you. And the beautiful, the gorgeous time that we live in right now, the past five months, all of the videos, uh, all the video gate, uh, all the videos coming out on um, many, many videos, let's put it this way, that go into how we've been conditioned and lied to and how people are so susceptible to the conditioning is a good example of how people, the MK Alter program or with the programs that involve pulling you away to someone else's narrative and then acting it out for them and then being exhausted and then saying, what the heck am I doing with my life? And you'll meet many people as they get older, I'm convinced that the physicality of a person, the way they take care of themselves, and their basic later in life addiction to pharmaceuticals primarily, and then alternative drugs, are because they're living a life that's not who they are. They're living their conditioning. And the conditioning will always bring dissatisfaction, will always bring anger, will always bring bitterness, depression, whatever it is. So the intimacy starts with acknowledging let me see if what my imprint really is my design. So, so when I went to Ra and I worked with him personally and he did my chart. Now, I've been trained as an astrology before that. I knew my, who I was through an astrological perspective. And it was very helpful, extremely helpful. But after the reading with Ra, I felt as though I was shattered. It's like, mm. what? And at the time, I was a contractor renovating homes. I was a real estate broker. I was a full-time, as much as I could be, yoga instructor, and then doing readings, astrological readings. And he looked at the chart and was just dismissed me by saying, you'll have to give that all up. That's not who you are. So it took a while to accept that because here I was trying to support myself, having to pay bills. And I said, well, what does human design have to do with making money? In other words, this goes back to intimacy. He said, that's a cute question. Find out. So mm. it was like, okay. Because when you're working with anybody in a transformative process, many people who are conditioned cannot move to the next step because they've concretized their value system in what they own, their marriage, their money, their whatever. And so it's similar to pushing, pushing them, and they're not ready. And it may be the timing is not ready. So intimacy also has a stage of unfolding. So someone wants to get intimate with themselves. Let's say if I work with married married couples and there's a crisis in their marriage, you know, I will say, what one thing can you do to change the way you're interacting with each other? And we'll do it in stages, but I have to see what cycle they're in, you know, what's going on, because it's very delicate when people become sexually intimate financially intimate because oftentimes the emotional and psychological abuse continues because the foundation of intimacy is financial and uh and uh what i would say physical so back to the question of intimacy once you know who you are you then begin to feel comfortable and you're on the path to love yourself so the way that a projector the projector is the most complex of any of the types, because they make decisions in multiple ways. Foundation of their decision-making is really waiting, recognizing people, and it's almost going into a store and saying, oh my God, I love all these shoes. You see 10 shoe selections, one's $400, one may be a special Nine West for 45. You're happy, but you recognize all of them, but you can't choose them. Literally, the shoe has to walk towards you that recognize, oh, you have the foot that will really accentuate the style of the design of the shoe, okay? So there's kind of a patience because projectors are designed to be impatient. Now, projectors can make decisions. That's the first foundation. Then they can make decisions spontaneously through the spleen, maybe through self-projector, through talking it out with a what we call a trusted friend or through listening to what they say. There's an ego projector, which is usually the shaman. They have to listen to what they say. An emotional projector has to take time and their variations on that. But what happens, basically what it means, they have to wait before they're spontaneous. They have to wait for the wave. So what happens is their body is really taking in the frequency. 
Their body is the tool that's saying, okay, are you aligned to a higher ordering of events? And will it be safe for you to be vulnerable to express this infinite knowing coming through you and being, being a mutative force for the person that you're with? Mm. Interesting. So once, once you step into that, you relax into yourself and you watch your life unfold. It's like watching your movie. Wow. wow. Could you share a little bit similarly for generators? Because yes. I think it'll be really cool to play with actual examples and, you know, Lee's a projector, I'm a generator. And, okay. you know, I think this is so powerful as an understanding because even for me to listen to you share about projectors, it, I feel like it gives me so much context about Lee. And there's yes. almost like a depersonalization that happens where things that I thought that, oh, that's just the way she is. It just becomes depersonalized because it's not how she is. It's <coughs> her imprint. And yes. it's almost, um, it almost creates a little bit of space where I can actually understand her without, and to use this word again, without projecting my, um, expectations and needs and desires and way of life on her because if I'm a generator and she's a projector, she is not like me. So it wouldn't make any sense. It would only lead to chaos and conflict and disagreements in a relational space. If I expected her to think like me, to be like me, to act like me, to, you know, to communicate like me. And I, this is, I, I just want to pull this out as one of the biggest pieces of value um, of having an understanding of, you know, who we are at an imprint level. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I loved how you expressed that. The reason I loved how you expressed it is you said it created a space. Mm. And if you, um, the greatest gift that someone can give another person to create deeper intimacy is the spaciousness for allowance for them to be who they are mm -hmm. and not to take it personally. We're designed with a limbic brain to look at what is opposite of us and be afraid of it because mm -hmm. they're not like us. And so what happens, the defense systems are put into place. Now they can come immediately, like you have, you have green eyes and I have brown eyes. There's a difference here. The brain registers it. We're designed because of other animals and things. We have to know danger. When it comes into a relationship, the minute we see a difference, as you said, we project out something's wrong or I've got to change it or what's going on here because we feel threatened. And the threat level, I like it with COVID. Oh, we're at level one, two, three, four. If we could all have colorations and put our fingers up, I'm at the threat level one with you, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So the space that's given is, yes, you look and say, oh, that's how the consciousness is expressing itself. Where is the distortion? Mm. See, it will always be distorted if the person is deconditioning. And so you're saying you begin to find out what is being brought up in the relationship that needs to be awareness applied to it, that needs to have the awareness applied to it. So back to generators. The question that, that projectors have, the golden question is, will I be noticed? Mm. Why they can be busy bodies. I know that. I am a projector, full disclosure. I am a projector. <laughs> so you get I'm so excited because your value is achieved through guiding other people. So it's as though you can't wait to guide them. You can't wait. Yeah. So let's say you're in a relationship. Your question is, who am I? Who in the world am I? So the generator is always seeking experiences and depth through what you do. It may not necessarily mm. be with the other person, but what the generator is, because you have an open enveloping aura, you are open to a lot of people. So let's say in with your life, you say, I've got a lot of friends and you go out and you're socializing and moving with these friends, having a great time. And here's Lee over here, kind of watching it, not really getting involved. And you can say, Hey, what happened? You know, I wanted you to participate more. You seem to be outside of the group. Projector is not designed to be in a group. Mm. They're almost to be a little outside of it as the guide. They're the lighthouse. And when people recognize them, 
they're the lighthouse that's guided, that's guiding any individual who's ready at that moment for their guidance. They may not be ready then, but they could be ready two years ago and say, oh, I remember when I saw you at the party, I just had this feeling, but something something happened. I couldn't see you, but I really want to relate to you now. A generator is not necessarily like that. A generator is the, what I would call, the jewel mm. of the four types. The reason you're the jewel of the four types is you carry the, the, uh, the divine energy in its most sacred form. And it, when I call the most sacred form, it gives you the stamina to transform life as we know it through the transformation of your life. This is so powerful because generators, if you don't know who you are, you're going to get pulled in someone else's narrative. Now, the narrative can be employment. It can be a social cause. It can be a political cause. It can be a relationship that you just feel, oh, this woman's gorgeous. It will improve my social status. I'm going to be with her. And she could be the bitch on wheels, mm -hmm. not ready for you. But a generator has so much energy that you can waste it. You can waste it by carrying the burdens of other people and then finding that you're strapped, you're running around, and you're feeling very frustrated, very frustrated. Now, within the generator, now, I want to be very specific here. I, because I work directly with Ra, I'm pretty much a fundamentalist. And two days before he, he passed, um, a friend and I wrote him an email just to confirm because there were other variations going out there. I, he said, he said, are there four types? I said, absolutely. The voice said four types. So one of the types is a generator. A subtype of the generator is the manifesting generator. Now, why are they considered the same type? Because they have the same aura. Mm -hmm. Their aura is open and enveloping and it pulls opportunities, people, situations to them. However, the manifesting generator is divine is is designed to be very impatient. So oftentimes generators and manifesting generators can have problems only because the generator thinks, well, if she's a generator, a manifesting generator and can go initiate, then I can. But technically a manifesting generator can't initiate. They have to wait to respond. Now, why is the response for you so important as a generator? Here you have the sacred trust with this unique life force coming through you to say, transform the planet. We're an evolving consciousness, and this is the way you're going to transform. It's got to be through your gut response, because your gut response opens the door to saying, yes, I'm going to apply my energy here. Yes, I'm going to open and use the energy to bring transformation first to myself and then the other person. Or the gut will say, uh-uh, because it's like, no, I could be vampirized. Notice Buffy the Vampire, all the vampirization zombie movies, that deals with people who are not themselves. They're living on a homogenized nightmare. So the generator has the easiest way to experiment because they go by their gut response. If they feel a knot in their stomach, but then their mind comes in and says, you got to do this. You got to go out and have your voice heard. This is the time to step into the place. If your gut says no, it says, thank you very much. The timing is off or the person is not correct. So with the generator, not only do you have the stamina to, sit, to stay with something, that you also have the signposts of frustration. So I know that you get frustrated. That's going to always be wired into you. Yeah. So what happens is that if you get frustrated, but you can feel this gut response saying, go, 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 you can do it, you can do it. That frustration is sort of like a turbocharge that mm. forms through the resistance field and you get to the next level of mastery. But often the resistance field is your conditioning to be dependent on others for your approval, mm. for your direction or whatever. And, manifest, and manifesting generators can get very angry. The key for generators is to trust your response. Now, there's two types of decision-making for generators. One is the gut response and one is first the gut response and then the wave. So you're not on the wave. So yours is completely the gut response. And you're, you have hearing connected to your gut response. You have a certain style of moving connected to your gut response. 
And that's almost like lightning. You get a hit and then you respond. Do I move forward or back? And the key is that if you get sucked in through mental conditioning, I must do, I should, I have to, then you're going to find that you're going to misuse your energy. I mean, there are no errors, but it's fine tuning. So you're going to find it's a way to lower the resistance field, break through patterns that have imprisoned you. And you begin to say, hey, I kind of like myself. I'm feeling good. I can express my, my unique style. I'm a survivor. And I can really, really live the convictions of who I am and really begin to feel satisfied with your life. Mm-hmm. See, for you, success, yeah, that, that's important. You got to pay bills. But to feel really satisfied, a deep satisfaction with how you spent the day is critical. And you cannot arrive at that unless you open up to this unique expression. Because you could say, yes, you can live your mortal life. You can live what your condition in society wants you to be. And we can see that we've always been conditioned by unique powers who have controlled the money and what they want to have done, whether it's through the Rockefeller Foundation or Carnegie Institute or anything like that, any of these these institutions, they've conditioned how we see things. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. Human design came in in 1987. When I do human design charts, I always have to look at the birthday even before I look at the chart because mm-hmm. I, people born after 1987 are different mm-hmm. because the frequency was activated about knowing in that particular way. And I know people born before 1960, most of those women had very difficult relationships with their mothers. So up until 1987, this knowledge wasn't out there. So for generators, now you have the ability to walk away from carrying the burdens of other people and saying, what is my self-realization? What is it that I want to be used for? Use me well. Mm. So I say, use me well. Let me explore and be on the adventure of a lifetime and become intimate with myself. And then that intimacy is what you exactly shared. When you said, well, I sit back and I give it space. I'm not saying, oh, look what you did, Lee. I'm saying, whoa, that's the, that's the mechanics. That's an expression. What can I learn from it? How can mm. I learn with it? Does yeah. it motivate me or not? So what happens, you get in this wonderland of intimacy because certain places you're going to be like, bum, bum, you can't, you can't connect. But other places, there's a deeper, a deeper connection, which can be uh, just what I call, um, it's a revivification of your life through the relationship. And the relationship is here to help your awareness, not to make mm-hmm. you sleep, not to make you feel comfortable, not to exploit the other person because you're too afraid to take the next step in your own unfolding. Yeah, I really want to underscore what you just said, because so often, you know, I'll speak from personal experience, this this relationship has really grown me and expanded me tremendously. And there were moments in the beginning where I was not willing to budge. And I thought, well, this this should be easy or whatever underlying beliefs I had about how relationships should work. Mm-hmm. And something that I've, I've learned in this relationship is that this is a huge spiritual lesson. I have a wonderful mirror here for me all the time to mm-hmm. see what is not been seen by myself, what has not been loved on, what has not been resolved. And so we have really highlighted each other's deep core wounds. And typically when a couple gets to that point in a relationship, it's, you know, you're in murky waters or you're, someone's out the door. And we've, we've learned to see that as um, a way to, to ground or to, to reveal what wants to be revealed and loved on and healed. And we use this relationship as a space to be able to do that, to unearth those things. Yeah, we really believe that, you know, relationships when approached by both individuals in the right way can serve as the most powerful vehicles for the transformation of an individual, their consciousness, you know, who they are in the world and their entire being really. And 
it's funny you were you were sharing about generators and um i every relationship i've been in before lee you know followed pretty much the the schema that you outlined right and i used to get lost in them i used to lose myself in them because you know i needed my partner in the past my partner and my past partners to to complete me in some way because i felt like a fragment of the whole and you know something always felt missing and i would i would use the love that i would source from them to basically distract myself from myself and as a way to substitute for the love that i needed to give myself and the care and the attention i needed to give myself and another pattern that i want to call out in what you shared was taking on the burden of everyone else's work and so my relationship archetype in the past used to be the fixer and i would you know rescue and fix and i would take on all their challenges and all their problems and it would become my mission to help them you know grow and succeed and evolve and you know that came at a huge cost it came at a huge cost to the relationship it came at a huge cost to me mm-hmm. and just that you know working on that one fundamental pattern like it's funny before i met lee i had sworn off you know dating and relationships and <laughs> never would, again i was it wasn't never again but you know i i really i was clear on the kind of partner that i wanted and i didn't want to replay the same patterns again so i was done with the patterns and i was clear that the next if i am to be in a relationship it needs to be a a much higher level relationship where both people are you know aware both people are have done their work and they're coming as equals in this space mm-hmm. as a way to learn and grow together mm-hmm. rather than you know needing the other person and you know it being some sort of a trauma bond or anything like that and it wasn't till i was able to get a a really good sense of who i was was i able to understand what i wanted from a partner and that was almost it's almost the first time that my um sense for what i wanted in partnership was actually able to develop beyond you know the surface level stuff um it wasn't all surface level you know i i loved intelligence and i loved you know emotional intelligence and that kind of deeper compatibility but mm-hmm. this you know this journey has like illuminated so much for me and myself and i just wanted to call that out because you know as you were talking about generators in my mind it was like check 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 and this is really the magic of having someone like you you know who is independent unbiased there's nothing personal about this even though it feels really personal mm-hmm. right because that's the conditioning mm-hmm. we are are conditioning you know so many of us can resonate with the same kind of conditioning we all received mm-hmm. but it's not unique to us it's not personal to us and mm-hmm. i think in that lies a little bit of liberation because it's i feel like this journey is as much about knowing what we're not as it is about knowing what we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love I love that. I love that one phrase that you said that you felt as though you were a fragment of the whole. Now, in theory we are fragments of the whole, but if we're living the conditioning we feel that. Right. That right. Right. Through our through our let's say the the imprint of the human design, that fragment of the whole feels the presence of the whole. at all times and that separation isn't there anymore. Right. It, it's timeless. And so that's the that's really intimacy is a timeless connection with the other person because when I did the relationship reading with you there was there was one partner, the other partner and then together there's the relationship was actually a third entity. Right. So if both people are aware and understand their design, that third entity has a chance to really create the transformation that that you were talking about Ani which is so powerful and then every day you wake up and you're just so thrilled 
to open those eyes, be with your partner and say, what's next? It's not that, oh, I'm safe and secure. I can go do, get in my routine um, to, as protection. The protection is, I don't know what decisions are going to be made through me that appear that I'm making the decision. I'm going to do that. And what's interesting also that I wanted to throw this in is we're on the precipice of a great change. We're, we're leaving a 400-year cycle now. Mm. So precipice means that we're going from a collective group to the, the rise of the sleeping phoenix. So we're going from community and sharing to more of individual awakening. Mm. And so this is when partnerships are under tremendous assault. And the narrative wow. out there is to weaken the male. And then we have an imbalance. And it's, oh, the woman, you can do it by yourself, whatever. The beauty of both of your relationship, Ani Lee, is that you're representing the yin and the yang, the male and the female. And there's an intimacy that, as you know yourself, is so profound and so um, it's so transformative. A person cannot re- really achieve it by themselves, despite what's out there. You find through your own aloneness and connection to the divine or to the source who you are, and then to be able to express it with another person is exactly what you said and how you changed and how you felt at last you could grow and uh, reflect back to each other where the, where the vulnerability needed to be expanded. And that's the age we're moving into. So the work that you're doing is fascinating because you're breaking the old paradigm of a relationship because relationships are made more on cultural similarity or domination or money or beauty or whatever. And it's based on real intimacy. So, okay, stop the act, stop the game, and let's get down to, you know, the truth of our relationship. And so you become incredible role models for other people because what you are involved in is also a mystical relationship of the projector to the generator. Because the projector to the generator is to facilitate and accentuate and accelerate the development of the generator, the the projector to develop the uh, unfolding of the generator. Because the projector, when invited, goes right in there and says, this is what it needs to go. And it's not that Lee's doing it. It's as the life force moves through her and focuses, all of a sudden, you're picking up from that individual some information you didn't ask for it. It just came. And then you kind of dance with the time and say, try this. And then, Ani, you get it. And then all of a sudden you change. So I appreciate you know, your sharing um, so deeply because you're expressing the new, what I would say, the new hope for relationships mm-hmm. and the balance that can be achieved or experienced. I'm going to take achieved out. Let's say experience because it's ongoing in the life of a committed relationship. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, in in that word commitment, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the commitment to our individual growth. Yes. And there is nothing in the world that's been a more a bigger accelerant to my growth than Lee. Right. Because it's easy to be solitary on top of a mountain like a monk where there are not where there aren't things to project on. Yes. But having a partner who is similarly minded in terms of you know desire for growth who can be a place to project our stuff on and Mm -hmm. see ourselves and see the reflection and be like wow that's really what's coming up in me right now Mm -hmm. can I hold that Mm -hmm. can I be with my experience right now without wanting to you know it's funny when in this conversation itself Lee was holding um uh, a crystal because she always holds a crystal when she does podcasts and she dropped the crystal and in me there was a sudden surge of activation where i want to be like what are you doing why did you drop the crystal you did it again you did this like two weeks ago on well, that, that podcast too you dropped the crystal and i could feel this surge of energy rising up and you were i i forget exactly what you were talking about but you were talking about something along these lines and I was just listening to you and I was observing that energy rising up in me. I was like, huh, isn't that interesting? Look at how angry I'm getting. Isn't that interesting? Now, that offered an opportunity because I could have either, you know, said something or waited till the end of the call. And then, you know, why did you drop that? You know, the what wants to sort of spew out through my mouth? 
Yes. Or I could hold my experience and be like, wow, what an interesting thing in myself I'm able to see mm-hmm. using her as a mirror. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything with it. Can I just notice this? And can I just be with this experience? Mm-hmm. Because in reality, it's got nothing to do with her, right? Her dropping the crystal is just an opportunity. And this is a very simple, small example. But we yes. see couples all the time where they get triggered and they you know, project their anger and their pain at their partner. And then the partner's like, what the hell? And they do the same thing. And it gets really you know, loud and mm-hmm. angry and you know, turns into a, a, a conflict. And couples have these conflict patterns and they, you know, fight and fight and fight and fight and they develop these stories. So couples, rather than deconditioning their minds, they even more deeply condition themselves and each other, you know, and that's, and I think that's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. If we are open to be changed, if we're open to grow, if we're open to evolve, then we see our partner as an invitation to do just that. Mm -hmm. But if we want to stay the same and we want someone who will, you know, just protect the sameness and justify and rationalize the sameness and basically excuse the sameness, give us permission to never be any different, to be done, to settle down, Mm -hmm. then, you know, we lose interest. Then we get bored. And then mm-hmm. there's infidelity, then there's, you know, all sorts of stuff. And then to bring back the excitement, a lot of couples, they use conflict to create intimacy as you, you know, as you were talking about initially. And that's a completely different kind of relationship. So what mm-hmm. an opportunity we have as individuals mm-hmm. and as, you know, two people in a partnership. Wow. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I'm so glad you shared that. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, me too. <laughs> Who knew it was divinely orchestrated? You know, yes. myself was like, all right, drop it now. Um, yes. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Is there, are there any, you know, closing words of wisdom or uh, messages that you can impart onto those who are listening, just either around human design or how we relate intimacy? You know, we're getting into a juicy conversation here. So what, what's coming through for you, Barbara? It's that you have to love yourself first through knowing how you're made. Mm-hmm. Because that way, otherwise, you distort everything. You can't help but distort it. I can speak from personal experience that once I had my reading, all of a sudden, my life changed dramatically. This is why I do this. This is why I do this because it changed my life so dramatically that it was almost as though I stepped into a different world. And, yeah. and that's, why I, that's why I feel that if you get to know who you are through your design and begin to just feel it and make decisions, then step by step, your life is transformed. The resistance mm. field is lessened. And then you can know love because you're not distorting everything you touch. Yeah. Wow. That's you know, beautiful. speaking of love, mm-hmm. the most heartbreakingly beautiful definition of love that I use is love is the experience of unity. Mm. Right, love is the experience of the separation between the you and the me, mm-hmm. the other and the I dissolving mm-hmm. into this experience of unity consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's just seeing the other just as an extension of the self and seeing no boundaries. Yes. And you know, it's it's such a beautiful mirror for us, like love, right? Do we and that fight for our independence versus our interdependence, that fight for our individuality versus, you know, our identity as a, as a partnership. And mm-hmm. it's such a beautiful journey. And I love what you said, that this is a journey of knowing who you are, mm-hmm. because it's only when you know who you are, can you love who you are? Can you really experience mm-hmm. who you are? And only when you know who you are, can you express in accordance to your imprint, to your design? Mm-hmm. What a beautiful way to um, contextualize this entire field of human design, you know, particularly for individuals and couples. Yes. Thank you. 
Thank you. And so um, for those listening, we have personally gotten a reading done by Barbara and she comes highly, highly, highly Literally recommended. everyone we <laughs> have spoken the word human design to. Like, the have next you met word, Have you met Barbara? You got to meet Barbara. And you know, it's, it's not often that we meet people who, when we meet them, they f- like just phenomenally surpass any expectation or any reputation. And Barbara is one of those people. And Barbara, you are absolutely a gift to the world. I think the work that you do and the perspective and clarity that you bring to individuals and couples, you know, it's just, we've told so many people about your work and the gifts we've received from you. And if you're listening to this, um, in a few seconds, we're going to ask Barbara to share how you can find her. Like highly, highly, highly recommend book a reading for yourself or your and you also do partnership readings and you also do other kinds of readings. So I'd love for you to talk about how someone can um, can connect with you and receive some of these gifts, what forms they take and where they can find you. Okay. Um, I have a website and that would be uh, humandesignconsultations.com or you can text me and then I can respond and you can send me your website. I can send you my website that way. Um, and my number is 512-638-7977. And then I usually set up an appointment and I do a lot within that one appointment um, because I'm trying to get the perspective of what was the cultural imprint at the time, you know, what year, what generation, where were the planets, you know, what your, where your, your present state is, what you're being conditioned by. Because right now I do this uh, little weather report and their transits from a human design perspective that are affecting everybody now. And it's the emotionality of being an individual coupled with the, the profound pressure to know what's true for you. So if you look out in the world, it's a lot of emotional turmoil. And then what's fake and what's real? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot going on. So I put that in the context of the reading too. So mm-hmm. it becomes something that is pretty dense. Amazing. I, your, your sessions are so dense. There's so much information that, you know, we've sent some friends to you and they're, they're on their fourth listen of the recordings that you sent. Back. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I can't recommend your work enough. Your, you know, just, it's such an asset to have perspective on yourself. Yes. And, you know, it's such a, it's like an unfair advantage because once you learn, and I just want to say you're a projector, right? Yes. Which means you need to be invited in. Yes. And even in your work, that's how your business works. Because you ask anyone about human design, they're like, talk to Barbara. And so people reach out to you and they say, hey, Barbara, can we, can we do a session? And so, you know, it's, it's amazing how you've mastered your own human design in your life. I'm not on Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm you don't do any marketing. You like, you just, you sit in your home Mm -hmm. and people come to you Yes. or on the phone. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. that to me is, there's a lot of people who, who talk a big game. They, they say a lot of things and they know intellectual knowledge, Mm -hmm. but there aren't many people who, are such masters of their craft that they embody the wisdom mm. and it's reflected in every aspect of their life. And you're, you're that person and you're truly inspirational in that sense, because it really shows that if you truly understand how you're designed to work, if you truly know yourself, then everything gets easier. Your relationships get easier. Your business gets easier. Money gets easier. You know, your relationship with yourself gets easier life just gets easier and what a gift mm. to have that thank you mm. <laughs> thank you so so much for your time today barbara and your wisdom i know that this is going to to impact anyone who listens thank you both Ani. my pleasure thank you so much thank Beautiful. you success <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode If you made it this far, it probably means that you enjoyed listening, learned a lot, and are one step closer to deeper intimacy. To help couples like you discover the show and transform their lives, 
please consider leaving a five-star review and hitting subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. We'd love to hear from you there. If you want to be the first to gain access to exclusive content, practices, and tools to create untamed intimacy in your life, join our mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll receive powerfully curated content that's no bullshit and pure love. And if you want to learn more about creating untamed intimacy in your life, then visit us at untamedintimacy.com. We see you and we appreciate you. Until next time, much love and good vibes.